Welcome to another episode of the SaaS Podcast. I'm your host, Omar Khan, and this is the show where I interview proven founders and industry experts who share their stories, strategies, and insights to help you build, launch, and grow your SaaS business. Today's interview is with a guy called Wade Foster, who's the co-founder of a software company called Zapier. And Wade shares with me how he and a couple of college buddies took an idea that solved a problem that they were having themselves and turned it into a successful product with over 300,000 users in less than three years. Now, Zapier is helping solve integration problems for over 350 SaaS applications, such as Salesforce, Dropbox, and Infusionsoft. So with that, let's bring on Wade. So I am absolutely delighted to introduce my guest today. Wade Foster is the co-founder of Y Combinator startup Zapier. Zapier lets SaaS users create integrations that push data between hundreds of best-in-breed web applications without having to write any code or deal with APIs. So Wade, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Omer. (laughs) Omer, there we go. I got it. (laughs) So I've told our audience just a little bit about you. Tell us in your own words a little bit more about you personally and give us an overview about your product and business. Sure. Yeah. So I, I was, you know, born and raised in the Midwest. Started Zapier in the Midwest before, uh, you know, a year in, we moved it out here to Silicon Valley. Zapier, you know, the the idea behind it was that a lot of small businesses are using a ton of, you know, SaaS services these days. They use things like FreshBooks and Mailchimp and Wufu and Gmail and Twitter, all in their business. But those tools don't talk nicely together. And uh, one of the things we were doing as freelancers, contractors, was trying to write code to help tie those together. And so we, we thought, how, hey, how can we productize this work? And uh, came up with a way to put that power in the, the end user's hands so that they could create those connections themselves rather than having to rely on an engineer. Great. So can you give us just an example of how somebody could be using Zapier? Sure. So say you have um, a Google form set up that you know collects contact information uh, when someone fills out that form, you could automatically save it to your CRM, like Salesforce or HireEyes or something like that. Um, also, you could set up something that every time I get an email that has an attachment, I'm going to save that to uh, Dropbox or Box automatically. So just like these little bits of automation that you end up doing a lot every day manually, with Zapier, you can replace it with a bit of automation and save yourself quite a lot of time. And, and quite a lot of money as well, because presumably people would you know, probably end up using a developer to do some of these integrations. Yeah, absolutely. Time, time is money. Money is time, (laughs) you know, saves a lot. Awesome. So before we dive into more details, we like to kick things off with a success quote. Uh, What is your favorite success quote? Uh, Be better today than I was yesterday. (laughs) I love that one. Uh, Can you give me an example of how that quote's helped you in your life? Sure. Yeah. I mean, a lot of times, you know, you kind of, it's easy to get like bummed out on, you know, what you're doing. You feel like you're not making enough progress. Uh, you feel like things aren't going as well as you'd like to. But the thing I like about this quote is it really helps you hone in on like a very small time frame. You know, yesterday I did this thing. Today I'm going to do this thing and I'm going to be just a little bit better. And uh, one of the things I've learned from psychology is that we actually overestimate the amount we can get done in a short amount of time, but we tend to underestimate the amount we can get done in a long amount of time. So if you follow this formula over an entire year, by just being a little bit better, 
the next day than you were today, uh, you actually find out a year from now, you'll make quite a lot of progress. Yeah, I love that quote. I think, you know, we live in a world where uh, everything is about, you know, getting the body you want in 60 days or, or turning your life around in 90 days. And and sometimes it's we forget that it's about making these daily consistent, uh, taking these daily consistent actions over a longer period of time that really gets the, the results. Absolutely. You know, we can't all wake up and be, you know, Michael Jordan or LeBron James, uh, you know, in one day. But if you work, you know, to get a little bit better, you know, maybe over a couple of years, you can. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> OK, so let's take a journey back uh, to your early days and explore how you get uh, got started. Uh, first of all, can you tell me where the idea for Zapier came from? Sure. So. Um, as I mentioned, my, my co-founders and I, Brian and Mike, we did a lot of freelance and contract work back in Columbia, Missouri, which is where we all went to school, to university. Um, and one of the things that we found in our contracting work, we, small, we were working with a lot of small businesses. They were using those tools like FreshBooks, MailChimp, Wufu, HiRise, Gmail. And they would often ask for things like, hey, can you take you know, my PayPal sales and automatically create invoices and QuickBooks for me? Or can I get all my Google contacts pushed into a MailChimp list for me? Uh, you know, which is the equivalent of for developers as of grunt work. Like that sort of stuff is not all that interesting. Um, you can do it; it's fine, but it's like very straightforward, not really creative work or anything like that. And so, what we wanted to do was give them the power to set things up like that themselves, so that they didn't have to rely on a developer. And so we kind of came up with this a bit of, you know, trigger action concept where, you know, when something happens in this app, you know, automatically do something over here in this app. It's a bit like a cron job or Unix pipes for those geeks out there um, to do this sort of thing. And, you know, now you don't have to be super technical to set up stuff like this with Zapier. So what did you do next? You've got this idea. You think, you know, you're onto something. Did you, did you go out and, and try to validate the idea? Did you start building a product straight away? What was the next step for you guys? So the very first thing we actually did was we, we built out a prototype at a startup weekend. So startup weekend is this global events that happen all over the world in various cities where you come together and over 58 hours, you build like a, a prototype or a demo of a product. And, um, you know, so from Friday to Sunday night, we worked, you know, pretty much nonstop, slept like maybe two or three hours over the course of the weekend and built out like an initial prototype of Zapier. It was not good. It was pretty, pretty bad at the time, but it was just good enough. It kind of worked. It was enough to give people like a taste of what this could be. And so from there, we went out and started just talking to all the small businesses that we freelanced and contracted with. We'd find people that were asking for integrations online. So if you go to you know, and a great example of that is if you go to forums of these SaaS services, oftentimes people will be asking for integration in their help docs or in their, their forums. And so we'd reach out to them and say, like, hey, we're working on a project that will, you know, handle some of this stuff. You know, would you be interested in learning more? And from there, we were able to get a sense of, like, how people would interact with the product, what they really wanted, um, and were able to iterate more closely to a solution that was easier for them to get set up. So you weren't trying to sell the product at that point. You were looking to get feedback from, from these companies and individuals? Actually, a little bit of both. So one thing that we did that was interesting from the get-go is we did sell the product. Like we said, like, hey, you know, if you want to use this thing, it's going to cost money from day one. So rather than 
having a free beta like most software companies did. We actually had a paid beta. So you paid um, – the very first folks paid $100 to get access to the beta. Um, and a lot of people have asked me how – why we did that and why – you know, did it work well? And I, I think the answer is yes um, because we got people who are really invested in solving this problem. It's like this thing is so important for me to figure out that I'm willing to give you $100 sight unseen uh, to solve it. So that is a re- I mean, in hindsight, that looks like uh, it was a really smart thing to do. But when you're starting out and you've got a new product, um, it, it, it takes it takes a little bit of courage to go out there and charge people to use a beta. Uh, what, what was going through your head, what, you know, with you and your co-founders <laughs> at the time? So, I mean, we were from Missouri, so we knew that if this was ever going to work, it had to be a product that made money from day one. You know, we weren't from Silicon Valley. We're in a place where we could get millions of dollars of funding to, you know, try and get a bunch of free users and then hopefully convert them someday. Uh, We needed to be able to charge from day one. And so that was the approach we took. And, you know, I I mean, it's a bit tough to hear no. Uh, Like, I don't think this is the right way to do things. But, you know, we we lucked out in that we got a few yeses really relatively quickly. And those few yeses really fueled us through a lot of no's. So, you know, we heard all the time, you guys are crazy for cause, you know, for doing this. I, I remember one person said, like, I'm a certified beta tester for Google products. How dare you think that I, you know, you should be, you know, want uh, feedback from your product at all costs. And, um, you know, I think that really taught us. It's like, no, we've already seen these other people who are just so genuinely pleased to have our product that I'm really not interested in getting feedback from a tire kicker or someone who's just like only mildly interested in the product. I want someone who is really, really like so invested in this problem that they're willing to spend a little bit of money to solve it. Do you remember how many uh, no's you had to get before you got a yes? So it wasn't that many, honestly. Uh, I think it was maybe about a a dozen or so uh, before we got to a, a few yeses. And then how many customers did you have in the beta? So across the whole beta, the beta lasted for about nine months. And by the end, we were around 800 customers, people who paid to get into it. And then we were also collecting email addresses at the time. So people who were interested but weren't willing to pay at that point. Uh, and we had about 10,000 email addresses of people who were interested in checking out the product once it launched. So initially you started talking to businesses who wanted uh, some kind of integration work done. You were going out on forums and you were reaching out to people who were talking about problems they were having, doing some kind of integration. Um, And that got you your first few customers in the beta program. But how did you get to 800? Was it just doing more of that or did you use other strategies to go and get up to 800 users? So it was a lot of that, a lot of what I call the forum hunting, right? So it's going to these forums. Uh, a lot of them get a lot of traffic and they have a, a very narrow and targeted audience, right? You know, if you go to the Evernote forums, these are all Evernote users. And if it's an Evernote forum about like Google Calendar integration, everyone looking at that wants a solution to that problem. Uh, so while in the global sense of things, there's not that many people, but the fact that in that thread, the people looking at that page are a hundred percent qualified, like the traffic, any traffic you get from that is going to convert a very, very high rate. And so we just 
did a lot of that manual outreach to these forums, you know, saying, saying we've got a project that we're working on. If you're interested in checking it out, you know, here's a link to it. And, you know, we would get, uh, you know, for every, you know, forum we went into and post a link, we would probably get like three, four, five, sometimes 10 visitors a day from those. And they would convert at over 50% rate. So it was actually pretty good traffic and really targeted traffic, more importantly. Nice. That's really great. So when did you launch the product? So you said the beta lasted for nine months. And then Mm -hmm. when did you guys launch? So it officially launched in June of 2012. Uh, This was right around the time that we actually moved to Silicon Valley as part of Y Combinator's um, summer 2012 bash. And so we launched right at the beginning of that. So let's talk a little bit about Y Combinator. Now, from what I understand, you guys applied to get into Y Combinator and didn't make it the first time. Mm-hmm. And then again, uh, around this time you applied and you, you got in. So tell me a little bit about that experience and, and what you, you know, what were the key takeaways or, or learnings for you from going through Y Combinator? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, we applied the very first time right after startup weekend at that very prototype. We had, we had no customers, no you know, validation, no nothing at the time. And, you know, we were confident in the idea, like we had a good plan for progressing. However, we'd just not proven any of it at that point in time. And so we got the most polite rejection letter from Y Combinator, you know, that you can get, you know, it says (laughs) things like, you know, we can't accept everybody. You know, I'm sure your idea is great. Like keep working hard, you know, apply again next time. Like it's, it's a very, very polite, you know, uh, rejection letter and encouraging one as well. Um, though we were still a bit, you know, we, we had a bit of a chip on our shoulder after that cause we knew we were good enough. And so, uh, we just, you know, heads down and worked really hard for the next nine months, applied again, showed a lot more progress, showed that we could, you know, make this happen. And, um, of course, YC let us in that time around. And, uh, as for the experience, I mean, it's fantastic. You know, YC is funded, um, many hundreds of startups now. I think there's over a thousand founders that have gone through, uh, many of which are work at partners for Zapier, you know, so companies like Wufu and Dropbox and Heroku and all these folks have are now, you know, integrations through Zapier. So it was really great for us to be able to tap, tap into that network of um, well-connected tech founders. If someone out there is thinking about applying to Y Combinator, what advice would you give them? I would say just do it. I mean, even if you're not thinking about applying to Y Combinator, going through the application itself is still a helpful exercise for your business because they ask a lot of really core questions that make you think like, hey, am I going on the right track um, to figuring out if this is going to be a scalable business or not? And so, you know, I would I would really, you know, I would just go through those questions and do your best to answer those, figure out the answers to those questions. Don't just spend like, you know, 10 seconds thinking about it. If you don't know the answer to it, go out and talk to some customers, talk to people, find out the real answers to those questions as best you can, because that's going to, your, your business is going to benefit a lot from you doing those exercises. So looking back at those early days where you went from the initial idea through the beta program and into launching, what do you think was one of the biggest mistakes that you made back then? So we had, I, I mentioned that 10,000 uh, people who had given us, given us an email address uh, for signing up 
to be interested in the beta. Well, one thing that we did really badly is we never actually emailed those people ever until it was time to launch. So we had people's email addresses from nine months ago who had signed up to get notified about when they launched who had not heard about us until nine months later. And uh, that was just a really poor decision because we could have done a lot better job nurturing that list, staying in touch with them. And then when we did launch, have a much better chance of converting them and getting them to try the product instead of saying like, who, what is this thing I signed up for again? (laughs) (laughs) So if you could do it over, what would you have done differently? Just, just, I would have sent them an email once a month, just said like, Hey, here's the, you know, check up on how the beta is going. Uh, just, you know, just something to stay in touch with them. (laughs) Great. So, Let's let's move on and talk about some growing pains. You, you've launched the product. Uh, you know you've got close to a thousand customers, um, and you want to keep growing. So, what did you do then to get even more customers? Sure. So, one of the things after we launched is we had a lot of interest in getting more integrations into Zapier. You know, we had when we launched, we had about thirty apps, and it was still just the three of us and we had a lot of demand for new apps on Zapier and we didn't know, well, it just didn't feel scalable for us to be the ones always building those integrations. Like if we were the ones that had to build every single integration, um, it didn't feel like we would get to the critical mass that was needed. And so we built out our developer platform then. So it's, which you can find at zapier.com slash developer, which allows anyone to add apps to Zapier. So, you know, if you have an API or, you know, you want to use a third-party API, you can hook it into Zapier yourself. And when we did that, we launched with 13 new partners that did it, including companies like HubSpot, Podio, and a handful of others that you may recognize, which was a great idea because since then, we've gone from, you know, 30 apps to now over 350. And of those 350, about 250 have come via the developer platform. So it's a really great way to scale out the number of apps that we support on Zapier. Are you guys spending a lot of your time still developing apps or, or these days, is it mostly through the developer platform? It's almost entirely through the developer platform. And we spend our times working on the platform itself, you know, making sure that it's maintainable, that it has the functionalities that the developers that are hooking apps in need to expose to the users. So we're thinking a lot about that, a lot about the usability of setting up the integrations and less time building apps into Zapier, though we still build our, our fair share of apps as well. So let, let's talk a little bit about the, the process of getting people, you know, onboarding new users and the sign up process and, and just using Zapier to create their own Zaps. Uh, what were some of the lessons that you learned um, about making that as frictionless as possible for users. (laughs) Sure. So in the early days, we had this clever idea that um, one thing we could do to make signing up for Zapier really frictionless is to not actually have people sign up. So instead of having a sign up button on the homepage, we would put the product right on the homepage. So it used to have two apps at the top and you could just drag this app to the left, drag this one to the right, and that would create your trigger in action and you click continue, and you'd be halfway through setting up a Zap before we'd actually ever ask you to sign up. Um, So it's very frictionless in that regard. However, what we found out is that people actually really just wanted to sign up. We would get a lot of folks emailing us saying, how do I sign up for your product? 
Like, I don't know where to sign up. And it's like, you don't have to, you can just use it. Um, but what, so what we ended up doing is moving back to a more traditional sign up page where, you know, the homepage, you have like a big headline and you have a sign up button and that moved, removed a lot of friction from people. So it was interesting to me that that sign up button has just become so ingrained in everyone's way of working with apps that, uh, even making it less more, removing friction of signing up, uh, was actually adding friction to the, in the user's mind. So that was one thing that we learned early on that was, you know, a bit mind blowing to me. <laughs> That's that's a really interesting insight. I've never even thought of that. Mm-hmm. So let's talk uh, money. H- how did you you know go about generating revenue? How did you think about pricing the product? Um, you know wh- what were the what changed for you? Where you know when you think about revenue after you launched? Sure. So you know we went from you know the the beta was a one time paid deal. You're in for the beta. Then when we launched, uh, we added a freemium component. So there was a free plan. And then, you know, we added a monthly subscription because, you know, SaaS is a, you know, subscription business are a pretty stable way to grow revenue. And it, you know, compounds over time, which is nice. Um, one of the challenge, challenging things for us is that we didn't have really any comparable companies to look at for pricing. Uh, you know, if you launch an email marketing tool, there's so many email marketing companies you can look at and say like, Hey, I can kind of price in this ballpark or I can, you know, fit in this niche to, you know, kind of carve out a a space for me in, in the email marketing space. But for Zapier, there was really no comparable companies, uh, that we could say like, Hey, well, we'll just like, you know, tweak their pricing like this, or we'll mimic them like this, or, um, you know, here's the right price point. So we were really just making it up and, you know, we just said like, hey, here's some price points that other products these our, our target customers are paying for. You know, if you go look at something like Wufu, a lot of our customers use Wufu. Their price points are like $50, $30, $70, and $150. So we're like, if we have price points that are roughly in that realm, we'll probably make money. Then it was just a matter of like finding some tiers, right? So like, hey, we need to have like a Zap tier, a Task tier, or something like that. And you know, we just kind of slapped some in that felt reasonable and we've tweaked them a little bit over time. Um, and it's mostly worked out. Uh, it's not perfect. Um, you know, it's funny. We see a lot of competitors now trying to copy our pricing. That always makes me chuckle because I know the process that went in, you know, uh, coming up with our pricing. Um, and so, yeah, we, we're just, we're still learning today, like how people interact with our product and what are the right tiers and what are the right price points. But, um, I think the key thing is that we actually just charging itself was the most important thing because we get people to pay, even if our price points aren't perfectly optimized, we're still getting a lot of customers paying, uh, because they get value out of it. Now, what was the thinking behind you, you have sort of standard apps and then you have integration with premium apps. What yeah. was the thinking behind that? Sure. So, you know, premium apps are basically definitively business apps. Things like Salesforce, QuickBooks, um, GoToWebinar. These are things that every business, they have no free plan. They have expensive paid plans. And so it's just a way of, you know, fitting the price to the, the customer. If you're using integrations for these tools, it's likely solving a big enough problem that you're willing to pay some amount of money. And um, that's what we've done. And it's worked pretty well there too. Great. So uh, tell me about what you think was one big challenge that you faced in, in growing the business. Sure. Uh, 
you know, so I, I come from a product background, but I've never actually, this is my first company that scaled any amount. Um, and so one of the big things that I'm learning is not just how to build a product, but how to build a team and a company around it. So finding the right people that, to join in and uh, finding, you know, building culture and, you know, figuring out the type of company I want to run, which is, it's been a lot of fun, uh, but it's also been, you know, an interesting challenge too. Like one of the things I've learned is, uh, you shouldn't try and innovate on things like H- HR practices, right? Payroll and things like that. Just do what everyone else does there because that's an area you don't want to mess up on. <laughs> <laughs> so we started this conversation by going back to where the idea for Zapier came from. Mm-hmm. And we took the journey together in how you turned that idea into a successful product. So jumping back to the present day, can you share any numbers in terms of users or revenue in terms of where, where you guys are right now? Sure. So we actually, the latest public numbers we, we share is that we've passed uh, 300,000 registered users. Wow. Congratulations. That's a huge milestone. Yeah. In about two years, we made it from zero to 300,000. So what's the, what's the one thing in your business that you're most excited about right now? You know, I think it's that we haven't even, I feel like we've only just started to scratch the surface. Um, every day we still get feature requests. We get, uh, we have conversation with customers outlining things that we haven't been able to solve for them yet. And so I still think there's a lot of stuff that we're able to, to provide for customers, um, for people out there that will be able to solve their integration needs. Are you still hanging around on forums or um, is that <laughs> less, less of a, we don't a requirement around, these days? <laughs> yeah, we don't hang around on forums much anymore. But we actually, a lot of our customers do post things on forums now for us. Uh, so that's the thing that we don't have to spend as much time doing. <laughs> that's great. Okay, so now it's time for our lightning round. I'm going to ask you a series of questions and I'd just like you to answer them as quickly as, as possible. So <laughs> are right. you ready? I'm ready. Great, let's do it. So, first of all, what's the best piece of business advice you ever received? So, this is where my quote comes from. You know, I mentioned before the call, uh, you know, a guy I used to work for, you know, named his company Plus One. uh, And the reason was he wanted to make sure that today was Plus One better than the day before. And so, I've kind of adapted that to say, you know, make today better than it was yesterday. What book would you recommend to our audience and why? Oh, I really love Ben Horowitz's The Hard Thing About Hard Things. If you're running a, a, a business um, and a CEO of a business, it's a really good one. What's one attribute or characteristic of a successful entrepreneur in your mind? I think just resilience, um, you know, just showing up day after day, you know, trying to figure out and solve problems for customers. Um, that, that really is the, the defining characteristic. What's your favorite per, uh, personal productivity tool or habit? Hmm. So I use what I call um, top tasks of the day. And I, each night or usually each night, the night before I write down two or three things that I feel great about if I got done the next day. And I try and uh, tackle those first thing in the morning. Awesome. Those are great answers. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. Okay, so uh, it looks like it's time to wrap up on this uh, episode. Wade, I want to thank you for joining me today and talking about Zapier. 
if people want to find out more about the product, they can go to zapier.com, which is Z-A-P-I-E-R.com. And if folks want to get in contact with you, what's the best way for them to do that? So you can find me on Twitter at Wade Foster, uh, or you can feel free to shoot me an email, wade at zapier.com. Fantastic. So Wade, thanks again. And I wish you all the best with Zapier. Yeah, thanks, Omar.